Maum Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutaleshi Matibhakti Vedanda Shamaniki Namane Namaste Sarasatve Deve Gauravari Kucharani Nibhishesha Srinivari Paschatve Sitarani Om Agyanam Timuram Dasyaganam Janasvakaya Chaksurum Niritam Jaini Asmai Sri Gurave Namaha Vanchakalpat Vidyascha Vipasindu Vyevacha Patitanam Bhavani Vyavarishnavi Thank you very much for coming. I'm very happy to be back here again. I was afraid I wouldn't make it back since I have no official duties that make me come here. But Krishna's arrangement, I'm here again in Weimar and having a good time. I've been staying with Krishna's Kaviraj. Uh, and like me, he has a wall of books. <laughs> Like me, many of them unnecessary. <laughs> Actually, my wall right now is mostly packed in boxes, but uh, I hope to get it out again so I can uh, go to the wall. <laughs> so I was looking, I noticed he had one book that, 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 that I have um, by an American scholar, or well, he's the editor, a lot of scholars, European also, called Understanding Mantras. Well, that's interesting for us, huh? We're understanding mantras. So I remembered the introduction. I looked at it again uh, this morning, uh, where he says that the study of mantras presents a particular problem to the modern scholar. He says, we accept the Enlightenment consensus We do not believe in magic. Most of us do not pray. So this is the, the, we accept the enlightenment consensus. We do not believe in magic. So here we've just spent a a wonderful uh, time with mantras. Uh, Do we accept the enlightenment consensus? Uh, Do we believe in magic? Uh, We pray, I guess so. So, uh, we also have a way to understand mantras. Uh, But when he says we accept the Enlightenment uh, conception, he means that we accept what today is called science. Uh, the Enlightenment concept, when, when Isaac Newton found out some regularities in of nature and could, uh, um, how do you say, uh, could, could express them mathematically, and it was a useful thing to be able to do. Uh, and and uh, there's, from what uh, Newton said, there arose the idea that uh, actually all of the world is, is like a machine. It's like a clock. <coughs> you know how everybody, whatever the latest technology is that's used to explain everything, everything is a computer, everything is virtual reality, we've created something, and then that explains. So the cutting-edge technology is clocks at that time. 
So everything was like a clock. Now the thing is about a machine, you can, using numbers, you can, you can express uh, many regularities, and a clock is a machine that can be completely explained in terms of numbers, exhaustively, yeah, if you get right down to it. And so that became the model of the way the world was. God was, there's God, but he was the clockmaker. Uh, he built it, he turned the winding key, wound it up, and because it's perfect, he steps back. There are no miracles. It's just the, the, the clockwork universe. Of course, you know, Newton was wrong. Even his mathematics didn't work out. And Leibniz, at the time, showed that. If his formula, you can take the same, you drop a ball very high from, uh, from the uh, up, uh, Earth's atmosphere and send it to the Earth. It's a straight line from one perspective. From another perspective, say the moon, it's a curved line. So you get two different solutions for the same line. Newton, yeah, Leibniz said this is wrong. But it worked so well for so many things, they just put that aside and didn't think about it. But meanwhile, they had a whole philosophy. That was the Enlightenment consensus like that. And the idea was that now that we have Newton and we have science, we can then predict and control material nature. And, of course, all the superstitions of the past, we just junk. They were all wrong. And, of course, it became a political program also. One of the Enlightenment philosophers, Diderot, I think, he said that uh, humanity will never be free until the last king is strangled with the intestines of the last priest. That's what he said. Religions, ancient superstition, monarchy, political thought, all gone. Uh, uh, the United States of America was founded on enlightenment principles. It was the cutting edge of, of thinking at the time. And so that was the whole idea uh, of the United States. No kings. Just maybe Donald Trump coming up, but <laughs> we'll see. But uh, uh, that's our our, our heritage. Um, when Prabhupada came to America, of all places, he would have gone wherever the ship the ship took him. But that's where it was going. Although that had been planned. You know, by by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, uh, he had sent in 1933. He sent preachers to Europe. Uh, naturally, they were going to England uh, because England at the time, uh, India at the time, was a British colony. Have a temple there. When there was a temple established in London, 
he was going to go uh, to London and then to America. That was his plan. It got cut short. Uh, one thing was 1933, other things were happening. That was the year that, uh, the beginning of 1933, Hitler was appointed Chancellor of Germany, and by the end of the year, the Reichstag had given him dictatorial powers, so all hell was about to break loose, literally. So that basically there was a pause <laughs> for a lot of bad karma. Uh, to to take place, but then you know, when Prabhupada did his mission, uh, the Gaudiya Math had split into fragments, but still, somehow Prabhupada took it on himself to try to do what Bhakti Siddhanta did. Followed him very very carefully. Came to America with his uh, trunk of uh, three volumes of Bhagavatam, and uh, took. Somehow or other, he was in the right place in the right time. So when he came, he told he had the volumes of Bhagavatam, the first canto, he had translated and printed all by himself. Uh, and he described Bhagavatam as a cultural presentation uh, for correcting a misguided world civilization. And he was hoping that at least the intelligent people would take this up. And the Bhagavatam tells us why this is a misguided civilization. And Prabhupada put it, had a knack for saying things very simply, uh, that human life is meant for self-realization. Uh, that is our dharma. The, the, the word dharma, by the way, which is translated as religion, but it's an, very inadequate, because dharma refers to that by which a thing is what it is, its own nature. Uh, and so, human nature, the dharma, uh, of, of a human being is self-realization. Uh, there's this religion or that religion, that's one thing. It's on another platform. But dharma is actually in our hearts. Uh, uh, that, that human life is meant for self-realization. What does that mean? Well, it, it means we have a consciousness that simply will not be satisfied with eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. These are the activities of animal life. Well, we have animal body, bodies too. The eating, sleeping, mating, and defending goes on. <coughs> but for us, it's not enough. We should, is, that, is that all? Because we find ourselves thrown into this world, we're, we're here, just to be here. That's a very far... What am I doing here? I, I, I'm, I've got this particular body and this particular mind, and, uh, and I feel I, I, I should be doing something. Something important is to... Then we, I think we have this intuition or this instinct 
that I'm here for some purpose or some reason. Just the fact of being here is amazing. Uh, that points to the, our, our fact of consciousness. That I'm, I'm not just matter. That I cannot be completely, exhaustively described in terms of matter. I mean, that project is going on. Uh, the neurologist and thing, you know, uh, people like that are thinking we can just study the whole human body. Eventually, we'll get all the DNA, pure mathematics, We'll understand your ner uh, human nervous system, pure mathematics. We'll see how the whole thing works. It's just like a machine. And then we'll be able to go in and turn the switches and move it around. And That's really what, that's the Enlightenment project. It's still going on. Lots of funding. Uh, and now, with our latest technology, we are kind of computers. That's what we are. There's software, you know, once you know how the software is programmed into the hardware, then you can start to reprogram the machine. And we can make ourselves better. Now we want to become better, that's already the expression for self-transcendence. And people are trying. Uh, and that's, that's what people are living for now. That, that we, 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 we can now improve. We, 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 can, we can fix things, we can become immortal, we can stop death, we just go in the right place and turn the right buttons. And yeah, we see that when a cell is, starts to die, there's some biological switch, and we'll see what that switch is, and then we can just go in there and put it back. You know what this is, this is our God project. We will control material nature. In the Bhagavatam, this is the Hiranyakashipu project. Uh, well, that, that's the way the world is going. But, uh, and and this has taken our desire that, that somehow or other I'm meant for something bigger than what's right here. This desire for self-realization and channel it in, in this direction. Uh, anyway, that's the propaganda. Uh, this propaganda is just that. I any really honest material scientist who has taken some little... First of all, because we're individuals, you know, if you want to really study one little piece of material nature, it's like taking a postage stamp and putting it under a powerful microscope, electronic microscope. It becomes that postage stamp you're going to study becomes as big as Australia. It's huge. Everybody knows, uh, those of us who have done work on PhDs, you write a, 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 a doctoral dissertation. Uh, you're supposed to take some little postage stamp of knowledge and learn everything there is to know about it and then make one more contribution toward the you know, progress of knowledge. And what you discover when you do this, this is huge. There's so much to be. What everybody has written about a particular subject, you're supposed to learn that and then add something to it. 
And you, what you discover, if you're honest, is that you don't know anything. Uh, and all the fields of knowledge is like this. One famous biologist at Harvard, E.O. Wilson, his subject of study was ants. A-N-T-S, the little ants. He studied them his whole life. He's written, a, you know, his, uh, uh, his magnum opus, big book on ants. And he says at the very beginning, I just began to touch this subject of ants. How many lifetimes will he spend, maybe not just studying ants, but being an ant? Because, <laughs> you know, you become what you meditate on, but that's another science. Uh, anyway, this is, this, I, I respect that quest for knowledge, I, I'm not against it. But you're missing out on the main project which is really the perfection of human life. The reason they don't understand mantras is because they don't know the science. And Prabhupada used this term, science, the science of self-realization. Everywhere science. And we've been accused of taking the prestige of modern science and hijacking it. You know the word hijacker? Stealing it like stealing a truck or something and using it for our own purposes. We're riding in a stolen vehicle any time we say science. That's a, without that accusations there. We trying to but Prabhupada really believed this. I mean he wasn't just he uh, very early in the, his time in America he was invited to talk at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology to a bunch of actually faculty members and graduate students. It wasn't a general populace. And he said, why don't you have a department for the study of the self, of the soul? You're a scientist, you should have a, a department for the study of the soul. And I could just imagine these people looking about here at MIT. This is science? No, no, this is science. You, religion, you, you belong over there. That's that, those buildings, not this building. This is science. We've got this compartmentalized idea. Here's science, here's religion. And that's, that's what we think. We're sitting here, uh, those of us in this room, we chant Hare Krishna. We follow certain practices. People say, oh, that's your religion. You know, they have their other religions. I don't think of it as my religion. It's dharma. It is, it is what I am. Uh, and, and actually, if you look at the various so-called religious traditions in the world, you'll find that the people who actually practice them are in quite a bit of agreement, despite the cultural differences and the various in, in practices and the different kinds of... Uh, books of knowledge or scripture as they like to call them uh, uh, there's a great deal of, dis uh, of agreement uh, among these uh, on one level everybody's fighting with each other and having wars and crusades and all those things but on uh, yeah this is, this is quite a bit 
So this science is not recognized yet. But 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 when Prabhupada <coughs> says it's a science, means there's a systematic method by achieving these goals. There are results that you will get if if you do it. Uh, uh, so he used this term. And he's actually using the English word science to translate the Sanskrit word vijnana. Jnana vijnana mastikyam. This is the characteristic qualities of a Brahman. He has jnana and vijnana. Jnana means theoretical knowledge, maybe something you can learn in a book. Vijnana means you have put it into practice and have seen the results. So realize knowledge, experience knowledge. So this uh, gives what the Bhagavad Gita calls pratyaksha agamam, dharmyam. The, the word that's used for what is taught in the Bhagavad Gita is what you get is pratyaksha. Pratyaksha means right in front of your eyes. In other words, direct perception of the self. Now, you, somebody, oh, that's mysticism. Uh, means that only a few people can ever do it and they're strange. But it's a science. A science of self-realization. So we are trying to practice that science. Uh, and Prabhupada said that by practicing this science we will create a revolution in a misdirected world civilization. That was Prabhupada's aim. A revolution in a misdirected world civilization. Uh, and I, I myself understand that that's our goal. I don't know when. Krishna's in charge of timing. But that's what we should do. Uh, I, uh, very early on, well, our, our revolution is based on transcendental sound. And this is part of our science uh, that, that people believe old-fashioned, superstitious uh, idea uh, the idea that uh, uh, how the world is created from subtle to gross. You can study it. It's in the Bhagavatam, uh, in the Sankhya philosophy, uh, that, that the, the gross elements are created. The first thing that comes, gross means more apparent to our senses, is sound, Shabda. The Shabda is called the Tan Mantra. Uh, tan matra means merely that. This is sound. The first thing is sound. Even the, the, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word. Enorike yeah? hino logos. Actually, the, the Greek it's translating is logos. Uh, means almost reason. Huh? Sometimes reason. Uh, but this is the sound is there. And then this this sound, this tan matra, ha has a gross element associated with it, and that is space. 
according to the Vedas, empty space is a material element. But it's subtle. Subtle means less apparent to our senses. And today, uh, a, a, a physicist writing equations to, to describe what is going on in empty space has many, many, many pages of mathematics. That's a fact. It's, it's not nothing. This is empty space. But this empty space, at first there's sound. Now, there's the audible sound that we speak that causes vibration in the ears. But anytime there's this audible sound, there's the thought in your head. The inaudible sound. That's also, that's the subtle form of sound. And that sound we can, you can read in places in the Bhagavatam is actually manifest in different ways in different chakras. Oh, chakras. People have been digging around the human body for some time now and they haven't found the chakras. Uh, how, where did the chakras come? Well, there were, there were people, they didn't get their hands dirty and messy with uh, uh, tearing up corpses. But somehow they explored their own bodies by another way, by, by uh, breath controlling their breath and seeing what happened and moving around the prana. That's another thing people don't anyway. They, they were able to discover the whole uh, idea of chakras and to use it. Uh, so so th- all this is there in, in the uh, Vedic heritage of this sound. In fact, the Bhagavatam tells us that before 5,000 years ago, people were, humans were more advanced now, uh, if you want a myth, there's the myth of progress. Everybody believes it. They don't think twice about it, that we're progressing, we're getting better before we were like some kind of aborigines, uh, you know, living simply. Uh, anyway, they've got the whole idea. And of course... They have their theology of progress, which is basically modern mythology is science fiction. That we will go to the stars, we'll go to the wheel. I've heard this term, I don't know if they use it in Europe, but in America they say we're going to conquer space. Just think of that for a minute. Conquer space? You should try to conquer your own mind first. (laughs) Just try it. So, what Prabhupada has given us is a science, and it's a very powerful science, because subtle things are more powerful than gross things. In one of the very early uh, editions of Back to Godhead magazine, uh, Prabhupada had uh, his disciples print uh, uh, a piece of writing by B.R. Sridhar Maharaj, Prabhupada's godbrother. And he talked about how powerful the chanting of Hare Krishna is. There's sound, and the sound goes into the ether. And because it's the spiritual sound, it purifies uh, uh, ether, space. Uh, And when the ether becomes purified, 
then the air becomes purified because the, the, uh, the elements, they start from subtle to gross. Uh, 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 less apparent to our senses, more apparent until you come down to earth. Uh, so there's, uh, you, you purify uh, uh, ether and then the, the air becomes purified. And then the air becomes purified, then water becomes purified. Uh, and so on, and then the, the, from the subtle uh, to gross like that. Uh, fire becomes purified, then water becomes purified, and, uh, and finally earth becomes purified. So just sitting in this room chanting Hare Krishna, we're putting the sound in the ether, uh, uh, and, and, and it's having an effect. I believe this. I actually uh, b believe that uh, a change is taking place because of the chanting of Hare Krishna. All over, it's very, very powerful. We not—that means you may not see it for a while. But uh, I noticed, for example, when when I I became a, a, a devotee, I started reading Srimad Bhagavatam, and the way Prabhupada put it in the whole section in the Bhagavatam is the science of politics. The, the way he put it, the king has the duty to protect pr protect all the citizens, and all the citizens are every living being, not just the humans. Uh, and, and so I thought, well, this means, if you turn... Now, it talks, the Bhagavatam only talks about duties. Duty means what you ought to do. Now, we don't talk about... Since the Enlightenment, they don't talk about <coughs> duties. Because uh, a big, because a duty meant that there were, it means you ought to do something. That means there's an authority that says this is what you ought to do. There is a lawgiver that said this is what you ought to do. If, if, you, if, if you are a parent, this is what you ought to do. If you are a king, this is what you ought to do. If you are a priest, this is what you ought to do. The, the oughts are there, huh? But once you don't have those lawgiver, so that's why the enlightened came up with this idea of rights. I have rights. The American Declaration of Independence, every, every human being has certain inalienable rights. You have rights that nobody can take you away from. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's famous phrase. This is all, every you have these rights. Well, it turns out what they anyway. That we won't go into what, what it actually meant, but that was the idea. You have rights, but if I have a right, that means other people have obligations or duties toward me. You don't get around the problem. Uh, if I have a right to life, that means other people have have, have some duties to to facilitate that right. It's just another way of avoiding the, the, the problem. Uh, so so the, 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 this idea of duties. Uh, in the Bhagavatam we learn what are the duties of a Brahmana, the duties of a Kshatriya, the duties of a Vaishya, the duties. These are your obligations that, 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 that you have. Um, so, 
all, all, all of this idea of, of this prior civilization, which, which was handed down by Krishna, it, it, Prabhupada took us very seriously. Even at one point we had a political party, the In God We Trust Party for Purified Leaders. So he wanted us to study all political science, everything was there. So that, that actually you would have Brahmanas who were really Brahmanas, intellectuals who really knew the truth. Brahmanas one who can see the truth and then bring it to bear into practical affairs. These people are supposed to guide the government, the Kshatriyas, give them guidance and direction. Their job is to protect everybody, and so on. These, these are, uh, these are all the ideal blueprint is there. And I was in an airport where Prabhupada was being interviewed by reporters, in New York airport, LaGuardia. They said to Prabhupada, "Why have you come to the West?" And Prabhupada said, "I have come to give you a brain." <laughs> I've come to give you a brain and explain how the human social body, like the human body, has head, arms, belly and legs. And he says, your, your society has no head, it has no brain. And then later on in that talk he remarked, he says, actually in your society, everyone is a shudra and there are a few vaishas. And I thought, my God, that means we've never actually experienced a real kshatriya or a real brahmana, a real intellectual. So we start with the treatment by transcendental sound. And that's a very efficacious. And for, for those of us who are actually sitting here chanting, uh, it should work. It's potent. But we, but we, uh, we learn, and the Prabhupada says, anyone can chant Hare Krishna. But then if we want to actually cultivate the holy name, we have to chant while give, giving up offenses, trying to become free from offenses. Because the, the Hare Krishna mantra, uh, there's the Shudanam, the pure name. Where Krishna and Krishna's name are the same. And so if you say Krishna, you are fully in Krishna's presence. Not halfway or partway. Right there. Then there is what's called Nam Abasa. The dawning light of the holy name. The holy name is not really manifest, but it's the, the dawning twilight when the sun is below the horizon but the sky is getting light, that's manifest. And then there's Nam Abasa. That's Nam Abasa. And then there's uh, there, there's Nam Aparad, the, the uh, offensive chanting. When, when there is offensive chanting, then uh, uh, the holy name uh, is not much better than letters of the alphabet. Hmm? This, uh, 
impure uh, chanting, nam aparad. So for the potency, this is for us and for others, because not only should we save ourselves, we should try to save as many other people. And even when we sit here and chanting is going into the ether and helping other people. But we, 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 should, we should try to chant on the clearing platform. There's, where the, 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 there's three stages, the, 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 the offensive stage, clearing stage, and pure stage. This is the science of this cultivating. So we, when, when we say Krishna's name, Krishna is present. And Krishna is the supreme pure, and whatever he becomes into contact with, becomes purified. And for us, what we want to see happen, we've given very clear identification. These are the symptoms of the mode of ignorance, tamaguna. These are the symptoms of the mode of passion. These are the symptoms of the mode of goodness. So we should see as we become purified that the effects of the mode of ignorance and the mode of passion begin to go away. This is what we, in our own minds and hearts, we should see this taking place. If it's not happening, we're doing something wrong. So this is, a, this is part of our science. We should know these things. We should know how to see them. We should uh, uh, hopefully have somebody that can advise us what I'm doing, I'm chanting, things are going wrong, what's, what's wrong. But the, the basic rule is this. Well, let me just say a little more. Uh, Haridas Thakur, the Namacharya, is the one that has outlined these stages of chanting. And what he's, <laughs> he, he, he's, he, he, he says this, Abasa is like dawning twilight. Uh, twilight means half-life. <coughs> In the morning, uh, 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 the, the dawning light of the sun. He gives the example that at night time the forest becomes very dangerous. Uh, they're wild animals. Wolves, tigers, depending on where you are. There's wild animals that you know, stalk the forest at night. That's one danger. Then there's robbers, highwaymen, dacoits, they say in India. Uh, uh, so, criminals, you know, they, they also do things at night, the cover of darkness. So, that's another danger in the forest. And the third danger is Buddhas, Pretas, Pichachas, ghosts. Demons, hobgoblins, you know, those kinds of what we call supernatural uh, evil creatures. They're not supernatural, just another way of nature. So the, he says, so the, he says, so when the dawning light is just there, the sun's below the horizon, you can't see the sun, but the dawning light is there, the forest becomes safe. Because when the dawning light is there, then the wild animals go back to their, their, their dens and lairs. And the robbers and the thieves go back to their hideouts. 
And we all know that Dracula has to go back in his coffin. <laughs> and the werewolf turns back into a human being, you know. So, so in this, this way, just this Nam Abasa, the dawning light of the Holy Name, this, this is what Namacharya Haridas Thakur says. You can read about it. It's in Chaitanya Charitamrita. This, this dawning twilight, the Nam Abasa, uh, uh, destroys all sinful reactions and brings one to the platform of, of, of Mukti. You're liberated. The Shuddhanam, the pure name, gives Krishna bhakti, love for Krishna, spiritual feelings. If we have not experienced a feel, spiritual feeling, we have no idea what they are. So that's, but they're there. They just don't get out right now. Because we love Krishna. We are constituted as servants of Krishna. That means that's our dharma. So we love Krishna. But now that love has been uh, misplaced and misdirected. and We look for Krishna. Whatever we find isn't Krishna, so we never are... Uh, uh, satisfied. So that that so, but but as soon as we get on the clearing platform, then uh, we uh, we will make a spiritual. That's the platform of spiritual advancement. And there's one last thing: how to get on that platform? Well, that means you have to chant the holy name while trying to become free from offenses. Just to be trying. And there we, of course, we have the list of the ten offenses against the Holy Name. But the, the one offense, according to Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the, 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 the one offense from which all of these come, the seedbed in which all the offenses grow, is... Uh, inattentiveness while chanting. Pramadaha in the Sanskrit list. Pramadaha, which also means insanity, by the way. Distraction of the mind. Uh, inattentiveness while chanting. Now that's very interesting because that's something you can deal with right away. If you sit down to chant the holy name, uh, let's say you're chanting Japa, and let's say you take a vow. Okay, I'm a beginner. I will chant one round a day. That one round, you should, what we should chant while trying to pay attention. Yeah. Uh, many times people say, yeah, when I chant Hare Krishna, I get so many good ideas. I once had a professor tell me, oh, you got him to chant. And he said, oh, you got a many, a lot of ideas. So your mind can free associate, it wants to go away, and somehow or other, this is the way the mind is. Uh, I mean, because this is yoga, and yoga really begins with the mind. Krishna says this in the sixth chapter, the, the target of yoga practice is the mind. All the asanas and, and, and breathing exercises are meant to get you to do that. So we go straight to the mind. Uh, you fix your attention on the holy name. It's easy. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Ram Hare. It's nice. I'm beginning to forget a lot now in my, uh, you know, 70th uh, decade. But I don't think I'll ever forget Hare Krishna and Rama. I'm glad it's only three words. 
everybody else's name I forget. But <laughs> <laughs> so Hari, you know, you 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 just focus, put your attention on that name. Now, if we're in a pure name, we'll 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 chant that name with full attention. When there's feeling for Krishna, that increases attention. In the beginning, our mind somehow or other wants to go somewhere else. Uh, so when the mind wanders, we bring it back. You put it on the holy name. If it wanders, you bring it back. That's at least the clearing stage. Even though it keeps wanting to run away, you bring it back. And you, you just work at it. This is the clearing stage of chanting. So you can't. we can come from the offensive stage to the clearing stage at once. That's within our power to do that. And from the point of view of bhakti, by doing this we are showing Krishna that we want a relationship. Because the, the mantra is addressing Krishna by his names. And Prabhupada says that the meaning of the mantra, O Lord, uh, O energy of the Lord, please engage me in your service. It is a prayer also. We're asking for something. And that's the thing to ask for. I want a relationship with you. And we should, we, we should just ask. And just by persistence, we're showing Krishna that we're serious. And things will, be, things will happen. Uh, and we'll start to see and uh, get a taste for chanting. We'll start to feel, begin to... Where is Krishna? He's in our heart, actually. He, he's the, the Paramatma. The word Atma, Atma in Sanskrit is just the reflective pronoun. Self, myself. So Krishna is the self too. He's the self of the self. He's closer to me than my own body, than my own mind. He's very, very close. Uh, you can't imagine how close, actually. Because I am spirit and he's spirit too. And so, you know, right now in, in the, this world, we are spirit and everything we know is matter. But then, we are spirit and what we know is spirit. So knowing Krishna is something like knowing ourselves. And can you doubt your own existence? Can't do it, because who's doubting, right? Not possible. So in the same way, once you've had a little bit of exercise in this way, you won't be able to doubt Krishna's existence either. No more than you can your own, because he's the self of the self. So this is the process of self-realization. As it progresses, God-realization is there. And we begin to be aware of what Krishna is doing. We begin to get directed by the Super-Soul to help us. Uh, and that's a one, not, not only that we know what to do, but we know that somebody who knows what we should do is telling us, showing us. And sometimes you say, I don't want to do it, but then he tells you again. <laughs> anyway... I think we, we know the so this is our this is our science. Uh, it's best to be done in association of devotees because they're interested in the same thing. 
the television is the great destroyer of knowledge and self-realization because it's a distraction. Even more so the internet. And we have all these obstacles to overcome <laughs> our progress. But the, to take this up is not only the best thing that we can do for ourselves, uh, but for our immediate friends and relatives, and then for all of humanity. <coughs> We, have, we make ourselves available to Krishna and you will be surprised at how quickly Krishna can do things. And I just have to say that, that, that you know, when Prabhupada uh, first said that, that the animals have civil rights, when I first read this, I thought, my God, this is like, people think that we're very far to the right, but we're, we're both very far to the right and very far to the left at the same time. People don't know the, the actual position. <laughs> we're more conservative than anybody, and we're more liberal than anybody. Because animals have civil rights. And just when I started to think about that, nobody knows this, you know. But then within about ten years, there turned out to be other people are starting to think like that. And, and I, I, you know, so many things... When I, I became a vegetarian, you know, people thought you would die. Uh, now, and I, and I tell people I was a vegetarian, what do you do? How do you live? How is it possible? But then you say to somebody, I'm a vegetarian, they'll say, oh, I'm trying to stop eating meat too. That's a big consensus, you know, I mean, that I'm trying to stop, stop eating meat too. Everybody knows. So, I think there's been some change in the world. I mean, I, what, what it looks to me like the world is doing, one part is getting much, much better, and one part is getting much, much worse. Well, that will probably happen. Prabhupada predicted as much. He said, actually, there will ultimately be, you know, one side polarized devotees and asuras, and then, you know, you might have to have some kind of uh, climactic showdown of some kind or another, but uh, but this is our mission. Uh, things are getting better and things are getting worse. We should get on the be getting better, and pretty soon, you know, there may not be any middle ground. Things get polarized. That means you have to take sides. This may also happen. So, for all of us who know about the chanting of Hare Krishna, we don't have to do too much except take the next step. If we want to make spiritual progress and we become a little serious about it, Krishna will always show us the next step. And it won't be subtle. Take it. If you look at the whole thing from here to pure devotee, you go, ah! even Prabhupada was like that. He told us that when he was still a householder, his spiritual master appeared to him in dreams on several occasions, more than once, and told him to take sannyas. And you know what Prabhupada said? He said, I was horrified. So at first, you know, you may be, but if you take the next step, the next step. So the first thing for us is to start to cultivate the holy name, make, make some kind of arrangement, uh, we really recommend chanting together, chanting by yourself, chanting on beads. 
uh, Prabhupada wanted us to check. His minimum requirement was 16 rounds a day. It's more powerful if we chant with a vow. So take a vow, I'll chant two rounds a day. And then keep it. And then when you've got that down, four rounds, or whatever it may be. Uh, and in this way, accept the things that are favorable uh, and avoid the unfavorable things. And show Krishna that we're interested and we'll see that things begin to change, not just for ourselves, but for other people too. Okay, I talked twice as long as I thought I would. That's normal. <laughs> so I, I, I'll, now I'll, we'll see if there are any questions or comments or uh, objections, or reinforcement, <laughs> whatever it may be. Who am I the one to call? Go ahead. Uh, I have a question. Um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur writes about uh, chanting the, the two stages. I mean, many Three. stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm concerned about these two stages. He writes one is like a reflection of the Holy Name. Yeah, Nama Basa. And then there's one as a shadow, like like a shadow. Yeah. I, I don't remember now uh, the, the name, Sanskrit name she uses. Uh, I says the reflection looks nice, right? So everybody thinks the reflection, uh, chanting is, is good, yeah. it's a nice one. But the shadow yeah. is actually more important, the shadow chanting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, shadow chanting is Nama Abhasa. Mm -hmm. because, because the word Abhasa refers to some kind of projection of light into darkness. So one, one example is uh, you can't see the sun, but you can see the sunlight. Another is you will see a reflection in a mirror. Or you may something that is like a shadow where the light is uh, uh, also there because the shadow is there. Uh, but the, these are all kinds of different uh, ways of saying Nam Abhasa. Yeah, but he differentiated because he says the reflection looks better, so to say, you know, it's nicer than the shadow. Mm -hmm. But the shadow is somehow connected to the person, yeah. to the object. Right. So therefore it is more uh, more powerful, this shadow chain. So I don't understand this example how, uh, you know, because I may change and think, okay, the super, but there's a reflection. It's I not think so there's a translation problem. With with the Harinam Chintana? Yeah, it, it, it could be. So so it's I'm just, just basing just, this this three okay. based yeah, yeah. on the Chaitanya Charitamrita, somewhat yeah. Harinam Chintana. It's, it's just uh, my concern is I don't understand this example exactly. No, because me neither. It, oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he writes, it may look nice, and yeah. we think we're making progress, but actually we're not, because this reflection is not connected somehow to us or to mm. Krishna. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what he's talking about. Mm, okay. But 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 I, I, the, the the three stages this abasa, this reflection of the holy name or the projection or the the, the remote uh, reaches of the holy name. This this is the idea that it's sometimes Prabhupada. I looked up how Prabhupada translates this almost pure chanting. He calls it like that almost pure chanting is a kind of intermediate stage. And then the, the nam, uh, Namaparad is, is not very effective at all, but the, but the, the clearing stage, it should be that 
The sky is getting brighter and brighter all the time. That's what we should. Okay. But I don't know the other thing. I'm looking for a better translation of Harinam Zintamani. <laughs> so, someone do you have a back there? Yeah. Have you, because you talked about the, the holy name, have you any advice to to introduce chanting Japa to kids and how we can make they used to we tried to do it uh, you know to enforce it but you just got kids hating the chanting <laughs> uh, I, I, I think for children maybe depending on the child you should wait you, just kirtan I think is good for children what do you think I just remember that Prabhupada instructed when they, uh, the children not to chant in beads, not to try to have them chant in Jasa. We said that, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they tried to do it in Gurukul and they all hated it. Yeah. But naturally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to chant. So they can just chant in Kirtan, or sometimes they just chant in unison without the beads. And then, I don't know what a certain age, but probably 12, 13 or something, they might be able to begin to to uh, do it. When they take an interest. In, uh, when they take an interest. I mean, when the child becomes interested, can I get some beads too? Like, <coughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I have a question about the first stage of chanting. Mm-hmm. Because you said it's like just the letters. It's what? Just the, like the letters. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and it's also said that it's like watering the, the leads. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of... Because we want to introduce chanting to every, everyone. And so it's most probably on the, on the platform of, of uh, Nam Apparat. No, you know, it's not exactly like that. <coughs> um... Uh, Many devotees have described this. It happened to me too. When you first start chanting Hare Krishna, you get so many realizations. It feels like bliss, and then, and then somehow later it becomes harder. <laughs> they always describe that. And the general, the general uh, uh, interpretation I've heard is this: Yeah, Krishna then makes it harder to challenge you. But what, what I'm convinced, what really happens. In the beginning, it's much easier to ch- whatever chanting you do is pure. Like for example, you you think all the devotees are great souls. You just come in, you think these are all great souls. Then you get to know them. <laughs> so in the beginning, it's really good for you that you think they're all great souls. That's fantastic. But you can't go around like an idiot all the time, too. You know something. So. Then you have to learn how to live with semi-great souls <coughs> and, and not commit Vaishnava Aparat. You know, then it becomes tricky. You know, so so in the beginning you do, you don't. It's it, it's an offense to disobey the order of the spiritual master. You don't even know what the spiritual master's orders are yet. Good for you. So you can't disobey. <laughs> them. But once you find out what the spiritual master wants, then you know. And that's what really that's what really happens. <laughs> why it becomes a little bit hard. Uh, so I think we want everybody to chant, but we should we should try uh, when people become interested to give them good instruction and, and good association and 
not to make it hard for people by making upsetting new devotees. I mean, really, I, in some ways I became a devotee in spite of the devotees in the temple. <laughs> they were very critical, you know. I stepped outside the temple and there was a beautiful sunset. And I said to this girl living in the temple, a temple devotee uh, lady, I said, what a beautiful sunset. She said, it is not beautiful. It is horrible. And if you do think it's beautiful, you'll just have to take birth again to enjoy it. That's what she said. You know, ten years later, I could appreciate that answer, but why not say, uh, yes, it's beautiful, and think of how much more beautiful is that from which it comes. You know, something like that to take your mind. But anyway, this is, they were very much like that. Uh, you walk in and look in the kitchen. Don't look in the kitchen. That food's being offered to Krishna. You're not supposed to, you know. <laughs> we shouldn't make it difficult for people. Too many challenges. <laughs> well, when we commit offenses, we lose our taste for chanting. But still, the only way to get the taste back is and purify is to chant anyway. So. Yeah, don't quit. Uh -huh. Yeah. Because I, I just see it's so close, you know, in the beginning, okay, you don't make offenses because you don't know all these things. Yeah. And very soon it comes that you know it, but it's so difficult to change without offenses. Like this. Yeah, well. So but it's always watering my weeds and uh, all this comes up more and more. Yeah, but that, that's why you really have to, 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 to me, at, at least this is me, and maybe I'm an introvert, but, but I, I really like Japa because it's so simple. You know, like the, the rest of the day is very complicated. There are many actors on the stage and things are happening. But when the japa, it's like, like uh, you know, an arena. And, and there's only three things in that arena. Myself, my mind, and the holy name. And I have to deal with my mind. Oh, my mind, you are not a Vaishnava. Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> And then, 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 then it's an interesting uh, exercise because somehow or other my mind wants to run, run away from Krishna. And so, you know, beat it up. I mean, you can be angry. You can't commit offense against your own mind. <laughs> and, and, and because, remember, we, we're born with this mind and the mind is the subtle body and it's been with us We've changed gross bodies, but that mind has been with us. God knows what's in there. <laughs> you know, it's really... Un yeah, so you really have to take a hard line with your mind and, you know, try to make your focus... See, what focuses attention is not the mind, it's buddhi. You know, we can really understand this act of buddhi. Prabhupada describes as the form of the super-soul, the form in which super-soul gives you direction. And so Krishna consciousness so many times is described as called buddhi-yoga. <coughs> so that, that, that ability to control and direct the mind and direct attention is coming from Krishna, actually. It's buddhi. So also, we will feel, when we're trying sincerely to control the mind, we will also, in that same process, 
become aware of the action of Krishna. And the presence of Krishna will become more and more obvious. And then, you know, Krishna will become revealed. First he'll become revealed in the form of the name, his qualities, his associates, his form. Oh, there's Nama, Rupa, Guna, and Lila, his pastimes. Oh, this was that sequence. The name will become revealed. His form will become revealed. His qualities become revealed. Pastimes become revealed. This is this is the sequence by those people who have been through it and said this is what should happen next. And if if we are seriously about our spiritual example, uh, our spiritual advancement. We will. You'll open the Bhagavad Gita, and there's that that page that you haven't opened. It's telling you just what you needed to know. You really become. And, and Krishna is not subtle. If we're up for hearing what he wants us to do, he's not subtle at all. Uh, and then, then of course, you go, wow, I'm under the care and protection of Krishna. It's fantastic. Then things get really interesting. When Prabhupada came to America, he knew what to do. And part of his knowing what to do was just the, 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 the experience that Krishna is pointing me here and pointing me there and seeing it happen all the time. Part of Prabhupada felt like a witness to what Krishna was doing. And when he says, you just be the instrument, he felt what it was like to be Krishna's instrument. Total bliss. And that's, that's what he knew. He knew what to do. He once told reporters, they asked Prabhupada, how do you know what to do for the movement? And Prabhupada said, Krishna tells me. God tells me. And the, the report, God tells you? <laughs> and then Rameshwar was standing next to him and said, well, he means he gets certain intuition. Prabhupada said, no. He said, he tells me. <laughs> Stop Rameshwar from toning it down, you know. So that, 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 that experience is, is awaiting us, or is beginning to be me. But you know, if Krishna starts telling you what to do and you don't do it, then things come to a little bit of a halt. So you, have, you, you, know, you really have to take the next step. Okay. Yeah? Um, how do I know if I don't have, um, yeah, my Guru Maharaj is not here, I'm not really in touch with him, mm -hmm. as much, yeah, as I would like, more like healing his classes, um, but also probably not as regular, and, yeah, I like also mentor, I don't have any mentor, so how do I know my next step? Well, uh, uh, first of all, you, you know, the, the, the super soul is your mentor, so that there's to some extent. You, you may do what you uh, can on your own, but you can say to Krishna, I need a mentor, show me somebody, you know, let me see if there's somebody I need. Uh, 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 and if that's what you need, you'll, you'll, you'll get one. Uh, huh? I remember um, attending one Vyas Puja, I think a couple years ago, one devotee was saying how, you know, he had a... Uh, he had a spiritual master, he was an initiated devotee, but he lived most of his time in Vrindavan, 
and he didn't see his guru very much. And then he realized how when you um, join, you have your, your spiritual master, but you're also joining a whole, you know, there's a whole hierarchy of Krishna. And he began to see how sometimes you have questions and this god brother or someone or god sister or someone would come and, and he would get the instruction he needed by just listening and, and hearing it and hearing it come. So it, it made him feel very peaceful and very happy. And, and you've had the same experience. Yeah. And when, when, what, when, when the mentor comes, maybe a person here in your association, maybe somebody that you can listen to on the internet or whatever, but and if it helps you in Krishna consciousness, you know, then you can take advantage. And if he's just traveling, you can write. <laughs> Anyone else? Somebody? Yeah. Uh-huh. You explained, um, so we are sometimes the most conservative, and most, sometimes the most liberal, uh-huh. most right, most left. Yeah, at the um, same time. At the same time. <laughs> so, my, my question is, Mostly, if one is in between that, mm-hmm. um, that means one is both parties look I- inimical and not friendly. Either you belong to one party, I see you have some friends in there. So, and that is natural state of a devotee. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my question is, how to stay that balance? Because sometimes devotee switch to one side yeah, yeah. and stay in that condition that one also not becomes lukewarm. Like Jesus said, yeah. be hot or cold, but not look warm. Yeah. So how one can stay in that condition in a very powerful mood that reflects also that, that kind of the spirit of revolution Prabhupada gave us? Yeah. So that's, no, that's a good question. It's one I think about, you know, I spent so many years sitting on the GBC and we definitely have a left wing and a right wing uh, uh, in, in many ways, or at least described as, as conservative or liberal. Uh, although I, I don't really see it that way myself. Um, uh, and and uh, uh, I do have my own propensities, you know, in America, we have, you know, like every country, we have a right wing and a left wing. What they describe as conservative, what they describe as liberal. Uh, and I'm both. Now, I, I vote liberal <laughs> because that's easier for me to take and the people I like sort of are all liberals. But I, I, I don't, don't follow their, their idea of how we progress. I don't believe in progress. Now, conservatives generally believe it was better in the past and worse now. Uh, but uh, the past they think is better was always bad. And, uh, and so they're not looking far enough back. And what the liberals think is progress is, is, rep- is going the opposite way. So really I don't, I don't have any thing I can really, you know, with my heart, give, give my, myself to. Uh, that's why, you know, Prabhupada at least showed us that one day we might, if we become effective, we might have to have our own political party. 
But that, that idea of, of, of what we represent, it, it, it's not on the map. You know, if you, if you knew Prabhupada, he was like that, very, very conservative, very, very liberal. And people couldn't figure out how he got it together. Uh, so, so uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Uh, people, one, 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 one person said, I think Prabhupada is, 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 is very conservative. And, and here was, he said, conservative. And he was thinking, like, when he came to America and started chanting, the people that came to him were these young kids with, you know, who, who hadn't uh, washed their hair or clothes in two or three weeks. And, you know, and, and his godbrothers would have just walked away. They would have, because I knew some of them. They they would have walked away, but but he didn't. I mean, that was radical. That and the people that became devotees were considered by most Americans to be way out there already. <laughs> and then we went even further out, as for, you know. First, we had a hair like this. Then it was all shaved up, but one little long piece like this, you know. Very weird. Nobody could figure it out. <laughs> so, transcendental means like uh, something that's not beyond all these categories. Uh, one, one uh, uh, Nicholas of Cusa, one, one great Western uh, religious thinker, Define God as the coincidence of opposites. <laughs> There's some truth to that, <laughs> but that's what you seem to embody contradictory characteristics sometimes. No, you have your own autonomy. That you don't. Prabhupada said, "Don't surrender your intelligence." He instructed the devotees like that. That that the, the the temple had a leader that was really taking everybody in the wrong direction. And, and uh, some people thought, "Well, he's our leader and appointed, and we should uh, we should follow him." Uh, other people were saying, "No, it's wrong. It's against what Prabhupada is teaching." And uh, Prabhupada explained that, yes, you generally you, you surrender to an authority, but you don't surrender your intelligence. You know, and he's given us the things we need to know. And how intelligence, one of the effects of intelligence is we have our re regulations for Krishna consciousness, is to know how to apply it in the right way in the right circumstances under these particular conditions. And that really takes discrimination. Always be clear what the principle is. But in the beginning, I mean, Prabhupada was not a fanatic. Uh, there is one, one devotee, Shamsundar. Uh, he got initiated. Uh, he was carving the Jagannath deities for the for the San Francisco temple, the first Jagannath deities. Uh, Prabhupada came to look at the progress. Smalaji told me this story. Uh, 
so the deities were being carved there. And Shamasunda's pack of uh, uh, palm oil cigarettes was sitting right on the top of Lord John. <laughs> and, and Prabhupada didn't say a word, just looked at the deities. But then the next day he said, you know, you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes. Uh, oh, why is that? So because one of our vows is no intoxication. Malati said, they're not intoxicants. They don't get you high. <laughs> so he explained, you know, that, that, that no, what it means. And, uh, these are addictive things. And then he told Shamas, he said to Shamasundra, how many cigarettes are in a pack? How much do you smoke? He says, I smoke a pack a day. And he said, how many cigarettes in a pack? And he said, 20. Okay, he said, so tomorrow you smoke your pack. The next day you smoke 19 cigarettes. And the next day, 18, and so on. He said, in 20 days we'll be finished. So that's what he did. So he didn't say instantly you have to, you know gave him a withdrawal period. <laughs> so that's how he applied it. So that people so some people you know it's different with different people. Anything else? Or are we ready for Prasad? Or both? <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for your kind attention. Please do the next thing you need to do to advance whatever it is you just have to worry about the next step and Krishna will give us guidance we're showing to him that we're interested thank you very much